Marge is here and Brenda Fries is here too to talk about Maryland. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Meddahl, thanking you for making us your first listen every day, five days a week, all things women's basketball, Saturday, the WNBA draft show, where we have certainly had our fair share of conversation about a certain Diamond Miller, as you could imagine. Uh, Also, make sure you are not just listening, but you are following all the work we're doing over at thenexthoops.com. The Next Hoops, where we have over 100 reported pieces about women's basketball every month. We will have people live, of course, at the Big Ten tournament and everywhere throughout the NCAAs as well. And I am joined by head coach of University of Maryland, Brenda Fries. Brenda, I'll be honest with you. Last spring, I read on Twitter that your season was ruined this upcoming year. So I haven't paid much attention. I'm just going to do a quick look. I assume you guys have lost more than you uh, this is so 24 and 5 I assume this is not against a tough schedule let me just put seems like you beat Iowa by about 100 and Ohio State um well this is all very confusing um since this is only what happens every year but you know welcome <laughs> welcome to join the program well thank you I mean that's you know what people expected right uh, that, that's the kind of year that uh, they predicted we were going to have so um, you know what? Uh, I think it shows you a lot when, um, you know, players believe and, and they uh, buy in, you, know, you can accomplish anything. So uh, I've got to say it's been um, one really incredibly special group that our staff has really enjoyed coaching this season. I, I, I do find it amusing and, and I take no particular credit in making the point that like you can set your watch to Maryland. So just every year you understand that these teams are going to succeed. And I don't particularly understand the skepticism, but, you know, again, once again, unwarranted, you guys are heading into the Big Ten tournament on a roll. And so in segment one, we're going to talk about some of the team wide reasons for that. And I'm going to, you know, go into a little bit of my statistical nerdery. And then in segment two, I want to talk about some of the people who are helping to make that happen. And so just to begin with segment one, pace is so interesting to me. This is, now we only have pace numbers back to 2009, 2010, but this is the fastest pace your teams have ever played at. Take me through a little bit about how you came to decide to do that and you know what you think that plays a part in all of the winning that you've done so far this year. Yeah, well, um, you know, I mean, we are a program that always has loved to get up and down in transition. I mean, that is, uh, you know, I think it's an exciting style of play. It's, uh, you know, the the way we love to coach and and players love to come in here with the freedom that that they're given in our program. Um, I think some of that pace probably evolved just given the fact really early in the non-conference when we lost two of our post players to ACL injuries to really be doing what we're doing this year with um, four out, you know, five out, Faith Masonis as our true center who is a guard forward like type of player so 
um, you know, I think that's what's really improved our pace is, you know, we're playing with, you know, a lot of dynamic uh, scoring, versatile type of guards that uh, are able to get up and down the court. And um, we're doing it, you know, in, in a non-traditional way. So I, I think, uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun putting up a, a lot of points and getting a lot of possessions. I it, I do get a kick out of it. You know, Faith, she's from New Jersey, so that adds a good three to four inches, obviously, automatically. But <laughs> if you go up and down the top 15 in the country and you look at, all right, who is the center on those teams? And it's people who are talked about in National Player of the Year candidates uh, who are, you know, legit 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", most of them. And then there's Faith, you know, and it just it stands out in that way. But there is the other part of that. Like you said, you guys always fly up and down the court. So when this is the fastest Maryland team of an era, that's really saying something. I, I wonder whether you know, circumstances have dictated it, but does this change the way you think about what you want your pace to be just year to year from what you've seen this year? It does. I know we've had many conversations as a staff that uh, we've done some, some untraditional type of things this year, mm -hmm. just given uh, the, you know, the, the injuries and, and what our numbers were going to look like. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, and, and we're doing it, like you said, Howard, without a true center. So, you know, I, I definitely think, uh, you know, we're fifth in the country and, and uh, able to get up and down the cord. So I think there's a lot of value to be able to evaluate when you're moving forward what you want it to look like. It's really interesting, too, because you're going flying up and down the court, but you don't seem to be settling for bad shots. And that's wherever you look on the Maryland shot charts and a huge shout out to CBB analytics that allows me to dive another level deeper, but you guys are able to hit threes, you know, obviously Abby Myers, a big part of that, but you guys are also excelling at the mid range and have all year. A thing I like to look at when I think of what a team is built to do in March is how are they at each of the three levels for where they're able to score? You guys are efficient around the rim. Your mid-range is very effective. Obviously, that's a big part of what Diamond's game is as well, Diamond Miller. Um, and, and then, you know, from beyond the arc as well. Is that by design when you were putting this team together? Are you thinking in terms of like, we're going to make sure that there's no place on the court where we can be forced into? <laughs> Um, I, I'd love to take that credit, but I think, you know, when we were looking at the daunting task in the spring, we had a roster of eight players. So right. we went in to the transfer portal and really kind of went after the right kids that we thought were a really good fit for us uh, offensively as well as defensively. So some of it obviously clearly lined up. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we are very attractive at, at the same point when you talk about kids wanting to come to Maryland just with our style of play. So when you're looking for those type of players and, and it's a kind of a perfect fit, uh, they, they know what the system is like. They know they're going to have the green light to, to score it and get up and down the floor and uh, play both ends of the floor. It seems like what has really happened over the course of this year is more a question of finding that consistency. You can go back to kind of any point early on your schedule and you can see, you know, there's a game that stands out as a big win that'll matter in March. And there's a game that'll stand out in the opposite way. You know, I, obviously Nebraska on December 4th was a wake up call. I know in some fundamental ways. What do you think it is? Do you think it is just a question of finding continuity? Are there uh, schematic solutions that you think have contributed to your ability to play consistently well as a team down the stretch here? I think there's always, as coaches, you can look back, there's a defining moment in your season. 
And for us, no question, it was Nebraska. We came off the highest high of beating Notre Dame on their home court to three days later taking on our first conference uh, game in Nebraska. Uh, so, you know, that that game, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, but fortunately was a wake-up call for, for our group. And I think they saw that uh, the chemistry piece, the consistency piece was, was going to be really, really important. And I will say this group is ultra, ultra competitive. When you have a Diamond Miller leading the way, a Cheyenne Sellers and um, the, the group that we've brought in, they, they don't like to lose. And to, to see just how they've responded anytime there has been maybe a, a setback, they've responded like you see, you know, you, you lose at Iowa and you come back and you beat Iowa by almost 30 points and beat Ohio State uh, the, the way we were able to do. So there's just a terrific response inside each and every one of them that is just a lot of fun to, to be able to coach this group. When you had that win over Ohio State, does that also teach you? I mean, the first one, I, obviously the 78-76 just uh, this week, but to come back from that Iowa loss, does that show you that that is a group capable of A, regrouping quickly, and B, a group that has a certain mental toughness necessary to win in March and into April? It sure does, because I think when you have a tough loss, the way we lost at Iowa and we didn't, we got outworked in, in the first half of that game, uh, your, your confidence can get shook. And just, again, just uh, the quick response that we had to turn that around three games in, in seven days and, and finish that with Ohio State. Um, yeah, as coaches, you're like, okay, you're, you're built for March and uh, the ability, obviously, um, but like we all know in March, like you can't have an off game. You, you don't get, uh, you know, a do over. You, you've got to be able to be very resilient. But I do love the fact that our non-conference schedule, one of the toughest we've ever faced with at Baylor, at Notre Dame, UConn, South Carolina. And then you talk about our, our conference and you see what we're doing every single day to each other. I think we're more than prepared going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, best conference in the country. I have made that point many times, continue to feel that way. We're going to talk about the players who have helped make that happen. First, we're going to talk about FanDuel. And I want everybody to know that Locked On has come together with all the podcasts to have a no sweat first bet of $1,000. If you download the FanDuel app, that is bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And so we would be remiss not to talk about Diamond Miller, obviously somebody who the WNBA has had its eye on for a very long time, somebody who we had the privilege of watching up here in New Jersey uh, back in high school, um, ahead of her uh, attending New Jersey South, which is what Maryland, of course, has been over and over again through the years. And so when you look at Diamond's evolution as a senior, right, you've seen a player who we all knew had 
essentially unlimited talent, unlimited ceiling. But now she seems to have found a way to be that elite player that you have been pushing her to be since her freshman season. What is responsible for the light going on in that way, both with Diamond and just in general, when you've had so many elite talents here, what, what, what accounts for it? You know, I, I think a lot of things that, uh, you know, it takes a village. Uh, I'll say it starts obviously with Diamond's family. I, I think her parents are two of the um, best parents out there. They always allowed us to, to do our job and push her. Um, Diamond, you know, obviously wanting to be coached hard, wanting to be great. It hasn't been easy for Diamond when you look at her journey and, um, you know, her path, you know, com coming in here. Uh, you know, came off the bench her freshman year to, you know, injuries in her junior year to, you know, having kids leave, you know, last season in the portal. And all she did was um, put her head down and work, you know, work through that injury. Uh, extremely loyal to Maryland, um, even when, you know, at, at one point she didn't even know what the roster was going to look like. And credit to her, um, you know, there's not a better story out there of just sticking through hard things and, and stay in the course. And I've just loved watching those four years, the maturation. She um, is a leader. She makes us go. She competes. She's, you know, put this team on, on her shoulders and, and uh, you know, and, and we follow her lead. And so I'm excited for her, uh, for our finish. You know, we want to send her out the right way. Uh, and then for, for her future with, with uh, I mean, she's put in so much hard work of uh, what her future looks like in the professional league. When you look at one number in particular, it really stands out to me. She's more than doubled her free throw attempts this year. It, what is allowing her to get to the rim now as often as she is? Is it simply a question of health? Is she stronger than she was earlier in her career? You know, what, what allows her to become that player? Because that's the player, quite frankly, when you talk to people at the WNBA level, where they're saying that's where she goes from. This is somebody with immense talent. So we're going to see her get picked in the lottery and she's going to you know, start and play big minutes right away. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, ironically through, you know, the off season and uh, the surgery, the surgery she had to have and the rehab, I, I think all of that made her a lot stronger. She dedicated a lot of time between, you know, her knee and in the weight room uh, to be able to come back. I think, you know, by the time you become a senior as well, the game slows down for you. So she just, you know, she's explosive. You see that first step, she can get by anybody and, you know, it, it's uh, been a thing of beauty to, to be able to watch this season, just uh, all the different ways that she's able to to be able to score the basketball. 42.4% of her attempts right at the rim, and she's shooting 66% there. Just, you know, elite, elite numbers out of her. But also, in part, because you have surrounded her with shooters. So, <laughs> you know, you look at somebody like Abby Myers, and I remember talking to you about this last year. That Abby Myers is coming from the Ivy League, and there's this idea that the Ivy League is somehow um, a notch below. And that's uh, I've, I've found that always to be very silly uh, from, you know, Bella Allery. You know, it, you know we, we could go on and on with the legacy of players there. But Abby's proven it. Abby's gone and made that jump. And her numbers are, if anything, slightly better this year. At Maryland. So you had no doubt about it. I know that at the time. Hey, we we love the Ivy League. Let's, let's oh. be straight. I mean, we've had Katie Benson who came in here and 
you know, if you can play, you can play. It's not about what conference or league you're in. A basketball player is a basketball player. And you play in the W. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the, I'm, I'm glad. We'll, we'll, we'll keep spreading the word. It's unrelated, but there should be two Ivy League teams in the tournament this year. Both Columbia and Princeton I've seen live. They both belong there. Um, but, but you know, Abby, again, you know, is somebody who I, I think it's fair to say this season doesn't go the way it has without Abby Myers on hand to do what she's done. So, you know, just take me through how you go about incorporating someone like Abby into this Maryland team. Yeah, no question. Uh, we, we don't have the year that we're having without her. I mean, to have that consistent uh, score and and defender, someone with her type of experience when you talk about bringing in the Ivy League player of the year and, you know, she's come in, we needed quite honestly, we lost a lot of experience and veteran leadership and she comes in and dots her eyes, crosses her T's to the letter of the law. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, great when, when you're talking about uh, your foundation of your program, you know, she exemplifies everything you want uh, your student athlete to be about when they put on a Maryland uniform. So, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, she give, it has given us, quite honestly, that third consistent score all season long, has played in big games, was built for this kind of schedule. Um, and just as a, a joy to coach, joy to, you know, plays with, with uh, you know, so much joy when you watch her play. She's just, uh, you know, you, you can see the passion that, that she has and, and the love for it. My favorite stat of hers, of course, is her turnover percentage. It's 9.6%, which is just absurdly low. It's the second year in a row that she's been in single digits with it. Are there, is it more impressive to have a turnover percentage like that when you're playing at the pace that you guys are playing at? And, you know, what is, what is that number? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that number speaks volumes about a player's decision-making process just generally. Yeah, it does speak volumes when you're getting so many more possessions. When you look at the way we press, the way we run, uh, we get so many more possessions than, than most opponents. So uh, the fact that, you know, she understands how important it is to have that ball security and uh, values, you know, uh, making a great pass to get a teammate open, um, you know, again, allows, you know, I've always said with our team, having a positive assist to turnover ratio is when we can really um, be humming on the offensive end. And it's really important to us. I've saved my favorite player to talk about on your team for last on this podcast, which is Shy Sellers. Um, Shy is doing so many interesting things this year, uh, whether it's the improved uh, three-point percentage, whether it's the fact that Shy is doing things on the defensive end that help you guys win. Her steals and blocks rate is, again, both north of 2%. I want to point out a moment that she didn't do the things she was supposed to be doing, and I'm going to point it out in part because she pointed it out. I want to point out a a moment in the Ohio State game where you were talking to her. It was a mic'd up moment. And not only is this a player who takes that in stride, she takes accountability. She retweets it on social media. I don't think I've ever seen that. A player who points out a moment of mistake to say, yes, this was right. I did the wrong thing. I need to get better. What does that say about who she is as a person? You know, it, it speaks volumes. It, it, it continues to reinforce what makes her so special and why, you know, why she made the jump from her freshman year to, to her sophomore year. 
Um, it's because you can coach her. You can coach her hard. Uh, I was joking with my staff. If I um, would have had that moment with a different player or, or parents that um, didn't line up, they would have been in the, in the portal the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but your players that can, you can coach hard. Uh, you know, I think back to Alyssa Thomas and, you know, had a moment with her mom one day. She asked me what I said to her daughter because she knew that second half when she saw her, uh, something was different. And mm-hmm. you can, I mean, when you have that trust and, and that relationship with your players and then you have those players that want to be coached to, to be great. Um, you know, the, the sky's the limit. And I mean, to just think that Shy is just a sophomore and what she's already uh, doing, just got named first team, all big 10 as a sophomore on the all defensive team. She's a two-way player. She's playing both ends of the court for us really, really hard. Um, it, it's scary to, to think what it's going to look like in her senior year. I mean, she, that's the crazy part. She's just a sophomore when you think about sort of what she can be. Um, you've had, I think, one or two WNBA players come through the program through the years, right? So, <laughs> just, I mean, a- just, a, just a few. So, when when you see that, when you see a player like her, I do wonder: Do you think about it in kind of dual ways? You've developed so much WNBA talent. Are you thinking not just about what she is at Maryland, but ways in which you can develop her into a WNBA player? So, you know, clearly she's on that track. Of course, of course, we we have that. Uh, in our program, and, and it is a really important piece and why players come to our program, with not only athletically, academically, we set them up to be ready to, um, in that fourth year, to be ready to, to graduate so they can get onto the draft and, and into the league. So, um, and our staff does a, a, an incredible job. We spend a lot of time with the player development piece, um, our practices on the front end and back ends with, with our, our player development um, so, you know, it, it's a piece that, you know, is why I think you, you do, you see our, our players come in and, and they all improve and they all, um, the ones that are able to go on and, and play are, are ready for the league, uh, when they graduate from here, it's an, an important piece for us in our program. I, even just to kind of bring it full circle to what we were joking about up top, we're in a different moment in college basketball than we've ever been before. There's obviously more movement. There's more freedom of movement. There's a lot that goes with that. And I just, I just wonder, as you think about teams year in and year out, yes, there's consistent success. Yes, you consistently bring in elite recruits. But when you strike that balance between what a player can do for me on the court and what a player can do in the locker room, is that balance different than it was three, five, seven years ago? It's harder. (laughs) It's a lot harder uh, because, you know, you're making quick decisions, especially with kids out of the portal that uh, you don't sometimes have a history with. So uh, I think it's, it's gotten a lot harder where back in the day when you recruited specifically just high school kids and families, um, you, you had time, you, you had time to get to know families and kids and, and whether they were a right fit. Um, so it, it's definitely um, made it a lot harder. I can't say enough though for our staff, we're just continuing to try to put our head down and um, you know, but you know, and work, I think our program attracts, you know, the, the right type of players, like, you know, the, you're not going to get 25 shots here, but you're going to win championships. So you're going to, um, you know, be a part of an ultimate team where, um, I, I feel like we've been able to get those players here on a consistent basis. 
Well, the, the proof is in the pudding as far as this goes year in and year out. And I would just advise those who would write off Maryland in any given time. Um, I think you have about 616 reasons, if memory serves, not uh, to think <laughs> that you ought to do so. Uh, so, but just to our listeners, thank you, of course, for making us your first listen today. Make your second listen, Dame to Dame NBA. Every moment, every performance, every result. Locked on Dame to Dame covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Dame to Dame Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. NBA is a fine way to spend the time once you've watched all the women's basketball there is to watch for the day. Uh, Brenda, I'll leave you with one final question. Um, I understand that you've had a fair amount of success at home this year. Is that correct? I have. <laughs> oh, I, I, I meant as a team. I'm at Maryland as a team this year. You guys are, am I correct, 20-0 and 0 at home? We have. Uh, when you talk about, uh, yeah, between our men's and women's team, uh, mm-hmm. it's been amazing. And I can't say enough about Kevin Willard and uh, the job that they've come in and done uh, with our men's program. It's, it's uh, you know, the, this is Maryland. This is uh, the, the program best, uh, you know, home court, uh, best fans in the country. Wanted to give you that opportunity to talk about the Maryland experience at home. Very good. Well, thank you to our listeners uh, for making us your first listen every day. We'll, of course, be back with you tomorrow talking Cleveland State basketball, as a matter of fact. And uh, until then, I am Howard Magdal, wishing all of you a wonderful day. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.